I'm going to reach back to a little bit from last week. We were in the first part of Proverbs 4 last week, and we're going to go to the last half of it today. But just, just to back it up and sweep forward to grab what we had there, some of it, and sweep it forward. We actually talked about running and walking and how running and walking is part of God's plan, standing. Our, our feet have purpose. Sometimes it's to stand there. Sometimes it's to walk. And sometimes it is to run. And uh, Paul put it like this. He said, don't you know that you're in a race? Don't you know that you're running a race? And those that run in the race, they run it to win. So run as as though to win. Run, run, you're in a, in a race. So... Um, this that was just a supporting scripture that I used, but you know the the truth is most of us could if it came to walking and running uh we would walk further than we would run right this by by nature we wear down, but the Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint that's that's a promise that when it's time to run, you'll run with all of your strength, and when it's time to walk. You'll walk in all of the strength of the Lord that he has for you. And the, the, the back of that scripture talks about those that wait upon the Lord. And that running is a reward of, of your waiting on him. But the front part of that scripture, he, he showed me something. And it talked about the mountains would be brought low. And it said that the valleys would be exalted. And then it said that the crooked places would be made straight. And then it says that the rough places will be made smooth. You see the picture of that? Mountains brought down, valleys exalted, straight places, I'm sorry, crooked places made straight, and then the rough places removed. That's what he does to set us up where we can walk where others can't and we can run where others can't. Aren't you grateful for that? That's his, that, that's his plan. That's, that's what he has. He's got business for us to do. And when he says for us to stand, that, that, is, that is a particular place, and that happens. We have seasons in our lives, but it's not that we get saved and we just quit doing anything for the Lord. That's just the beginning of what he has. It, it is a life that is full that he has for us. So I want to, uh, to pick up... Uh, we, we, we were talking about paths, we were talking about running, we were talking about walking. Um, verse 10 is where I'll, I'll pick up um, because I'm really going to be preaching from verse 20, but 20 starts off like 10 starts off. 20 starts with my son. 10 starts, chapter 4 verse 10 starts with hear my son. So these are these are particular like paragraphs of instruction for us to grasp onto. So while I'm sweeping back, this is what we were talking about last week. Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in a way, in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. And that's where we went to Isaiah 40. Take hold, take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. So you need to understand right there that God has a plan for us, that God is constantly calling to us. When it talks about wisdom, when, when wisdom is divine, it says, does wisdom not cry out to us? The voice of God is always crying out to us. The question is, will we hear what he says? He will not change 
who he is. He will not change what he is calling for, and he's calling us forward. It's who he is, and he has a standard that we must acquiesce to. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Hear this, hear this. I love this, verse 15. Avoid it, do not travel on it, turn away from it, and pass on. I told you last week, we, any, any other pastor, y'all could have gone home after that one. But you know, I don't let you go that quickly, that easy. But there's so much structure, uh, instruction right there. Avoid it, do not travel on it, turn away from it, and pass on. Go down to verse 18. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. So it's giving uh, uh, instruction about the path of the wicked, which is darkness, and the path of those of us who trust in the Lord. And it says that just like the sun breaks in the morning and gets brighter and brighter to the full day, that's how our life should be. And he should be shining more and more. And we should be coming to a place of more and more understanding and more and more wisdom in him because he's got more for us to do. And we need his instruction in our lives. Amen. Shines ever brighter into the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Okay. So you're ready for the new stuff. Say, I'm ready, Pastor John. All right. About half of y'all are ready. Let's go. <laughs> my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them. It's talking about the words of the Lord. And health to all of your flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established do not turn to the right or to the left Remove your foot from evil. This is is just sheer instruction. And, and, And where is he giving the instruction to? He goes right to your ears. Your ears are are I call them them gates. Your ears are like gates. You have you have ear gates. Your eyes are like gates. The Bible talks about them being like a gate. Your feet or what gets you there. And he addresses several things. He, he addresses our ears. He addresses our eyes. He addresses our um, lips and our mouth. You say it's the same thing? No, it's not. It's connected to me when he gives instruction to my mouth and to my lips. He gives me two instructions about my mouth and my lips. That to me, that's giving me... My mouth and my lips need extra attention. It's like two chances. It comes up in your mouth, 
And if you're not careful, you'll use your lips to say it. I did not expect any amens on that one. Did, didn't expect them. Um, let me give you just a, a, a couple of, of scriptures to go with that. Proverbs 16, 23. Got a few supporting scriptures out of, out of Proverbs. Chapter 16, verse 23 says, The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Isn't that crazy? Or just incredible. To me, it's crazy. I need that kind of instruction in my life. I, I need my mouth to have a special guard over it. I need to be careful. Uh, we'll, we'll be judged by what we say, right? And, and it says this, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth. That tells me it's my responsibility. There, there, there's wisdom right here for me, and it's my responsibility not to just say anything. You ever said something you wish you could take back? It is real easy to do. Particularly easy to do. The wise in heart will be called prudent and sweetness of the lips increasing learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Adds learning to his lips. See, there, the mouth and the lips are given two separate addresses right there. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Also, um, that's 16.23. Look at 15.7. Go back a, a page. And it says this. When a man's ways please the Lord. Oh, I'm back in. I, I flipped the page and stayed on 16. Sorry. I knew that wasn't right. 15 and 7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. In other words, they, they spread knowledge. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. There's a difference. There's a difference. When our mouths say something, it should be something that's a benefit to the people around us. It shouldn't be something that damages the people around us. And I can tell you, you might do damage to someone with your fist and with your hands, but I believe that you can do way more damage with your lips than you can do physically. You, you, you know that you, can, you could murder somebody with your hands. But if you murder someone with your lips, that is a long, painful death for someone to endure. We have to be careful with our words, right? Amen? I want you to look at, at chapter um, 40. I'm sorry, chapter 24. Man, my numbers are all over the place. See, the enemy doesn't want you to get this message, but I tell you, it will help you. Okay? I want you to go to 24 and hold that. Back to 4. My son, give attention to my words and clear, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. 
That means above all else. With all diligence, that means that you cannot quit keeping your heart. You cannot take breaks keeping your heart. You don't get days off. I've said that before. You don't get a day off when it comes to taking care of your heart. Out of your heart flow the issues of life. You see that. And that's why a wise heart teaches his mouth and gives instruction to his lips. So it, there's so much wisdom in that. But if you, you, you keep your heart because out of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. What's inside of you is going to come out. If it's something that's helping other people around you, it's because you've invested into your heart. It's because your heart has things inside it that is worth spreading. But if you're hurting people with your mouth, well, that tells me something about your heart because out of your heart flow the issues of life, springs the issues of life. It says um, that, I'm telling you, I'm struggling to get this out to you. And I think that's for a reason. I, I, I promise you, I have not lightly studied this material. And I don't usually struggle at all to get something out. And there's something you need to hear out of what I'm saying to you. So let's stop right here. Lord, this is your word. You've given me the ability to preach and to talk, and I'm struggling with it right now. And I believe the enemy's fighting me right now because this word is powerful for us, and we need this. We need your word in our hearts. We need your word at the center of us. We need what comes out of us to be what you have put in us. I thank you for helping me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel better already. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. We must be diligent. We don't get the opportunity to take a day off. There's a scripture that talks about the dangers of taking time off. And it addresses laziness. There's absolutely nothing wrong with taking a little bit of time off. Nothing wrong with it. I encourage it. My wife and I were able to take a night off. Someone gave us a night off at a very nice hotel, very close by. We took just a night off. Someone gave us a gift certificate for a very nice restaurant. We took that. We were refreshed. So I'm shocked that I have tripped and stumbled today because I really feel like ready to go out of the, out of the gates with this word for you. But there, that, that's not being lazy when you take time off. That, that's, but b being lazy is when you take too much time off. And being lazy is when you know that you've got something to do and you keep putting it off. Well, you can get by with that for a little while, but you can't get by with that for a long while. And there's a scripture that deals with it, and it's 
a supporting scripture in Psalm, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 24 with verse 30. And it says this, it says, I went by the field of the lazy. This is Solomon talking. I went by the field of the lazy man. And by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. I worked really hard on my front yard in this past year. I replanted the whole front yard. Most of it is doing well. The left side, which is the biggest portion of my driveway, is doing really good. Now, if you drive up to my house and, and, and you'll do me a favor, keep your eyes to the left. Just, just look that way and enjoy that. Because to the right, it's ticking me off a little bit. Because to the right, my yard, perhaps like yours, even though I sowed the grass in it, I've got these little things called nettles coming up. And they're kind of pretty, but I know that they're a weed. And they're in a struggle right now with my grass. And one of them will win. And I'm tired of pouring money into it. But I see what's on the left side. And I gave the left side more attention. And on the right side, I have those nettles. I haven't been lazy, but I just about want to give up on it until I look across the street at my neighbor's yard. See, I'm just that much fleshy right there. I said I might be like you. But he said it was overgrown. Now, now let me, now, I, I said that because I want to say this. I've given considerable care to my lawn i've put soil down i've put seed down i've put fertilizer down i've run irrigation on it all for the sake of the grass i did nothing for the nettles i did not plant nettles i did not i did not give the nettles anything what i'm saying is Weeds don't need help growing. Somehow or other, that seed got in there. You remember the parable of the good seed? And when, the, when, when the, the, those that worked the field came to the master, they said, did not you put good seed into the soil? He said, yes, you know I did. And he said, a stranger has done this. Stranger. The stranger will plant in your field if you'll let him. He said, I went by a lazy man's field. Did he not say that? I went by the field of the lazy man and by his vineyard, and he was a man devoid of understanding. See, I've got a choice to make right now. If I'm going to make the right side of my yard look as good as the left side of my yard, I've got to give some attention to it. Amen? So in this building right now, what I see is the left side of my yard. 
It's Sunday morning. Y'all are looking good. But I can't see the right side of your yard. I can't see if any nettles are coming up. I just know that you're human. And I know that they'll try to come up. And if we're lazy about it, they'll take over. And they'll choke out the good. I see it. I see it. I see it. Bad does not just happen. Falling away does not just happen. But falling away happens. So either an enemy plants a seed in us or we plant bad seeds. Either way, it'll come up. Either way, it'll come. We are human beings. I'm not going to fault you for being human. And please don't fault me for being human. But there is a responsibility that each one of us has. And according to this, we have to be diligent. And the scripture just says, little sleep, little slumber, little folding of the hand. And the enemy will come against you like one who is armed. So when I studied that out, there's other translations that says your enemy will come to you with a shield, like one that has a shield. That's very interesting to me that says that. As I looked at what the translation was, it was like that enemy that comes against you will be like an attacker and a robber and a vagrant. But it said it'd be like one that had a shield. And it didn't say which type of shield. It just showed that he would be aggressive with the shield. So I know from studying that there are two types of shields. And the Bible says this about our God. It says that he is our strength and that he is our shield and what? Buckler. Shield and sword. That's, that's good too. He's that too. But he's our shield and our buckler. Who knows what buckler means? It's still a shield. It's just a little one. In those days, they didn't have 40 calibers and 9 millimeters and shotguns and rifles and all of that. They had bows, arrows, spears, shields, and bucklers. A shield was a large shield and that was used defensively but a buckler was a small shield a little bit bigger than the hand and that was used offensively so when someone would come at you you would block what they threw at you with the shield and you'd come back with the buckler pretty good fighting pretty good strategy right there so this is what i want you to get out of that And this is what struck me. And this is what's interesting. It says an enemy, if we are lazy, just a little folding of the hands, a little sleep, a little slumber, says the enemy will come at you like an armed man. Didn't it say that? One translation says he's he's a prowler. Come at you like a prowler come at you suddenly lurking around for the opportunity to do you damage and he says he'll be like a man with a shield offensive 
defensive shield. The Bible says that the Lord is our strength. He is our shield and buckler. Your enemy is a copycat. And your enemy will try to come at you the same way. And it is interesting to me that if we are under God, he is our shield and buckler. But if we get lazy, there's one that will take up the tools against us. What was meant to bless me will now be a curse used against me. How many times in his writings do you see God talk about this? He said, I will do this to bless you, and I will do that to bless you. If you keep my commands, I will bless you. But if you do not, I will curse you. I can't make him nice in that situation because he's already a loving father to us. But who makes the choice of what happens out of that? We do. You know what maturity is? It's when you start taking responsibility for your own actions. That's a, a very good sign of maturity. Do you know what immaturity is? I did something wrong, but I look for someone else to blame it on. Maturity. Or I just say, God, where are you? Where? That's immaturity. God's who he's always been, and where he's where he's always been. And he calls out for us to get it. And he says, you got these ears, and you got these eyes, and you got this mouth, and you got these lips. And from that, you can hear from me, and out of your heart, if you get it out of your heart, will come me, my word. What does he say about that? If you abide in me, and my word abides in you. You will ask whatever you will, and it shall be done. Now, let, now let's just take that. Let's, let's do some signs and charades or whatever it takes for us to get it. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done. You get that? Because it's not my words anymore. It's his words. And you can't mess that up. But you can't fake that either. You can't, I didn't mean to just look right at you, John. Whatever. <laughs> John Kelly. <laughs> that was pretty bad, wasn't it? You don't need that jacket anymore. You was, you was cold, now you're a little hot and cold sweaty over there. No, that that's how easy it happens for us. 
and, and, and it'll tell on you. Country music artist wrote a song about that. Your cheating heart will tell on you. He might have got that out of Scripture, but it matches. We've got a heart that will tell on us because out of the heart proceed, spring, the issues of life, flow, the issues of life. It, it, I, I've said it every time I say that Scripture. I thought today, well, don't use the same old example, but I don't have a better one. You can talk to somebody 10 minutes and you'll find out what's in their heart. And they can try their best to hide it, but they can't because out of the heart springs the issues of life. And God set that in motion. It's, it's just the way it is. It doesn't take much digging to find out what someone has in their heart. If it's bitterness, it will not take long. If it's hatred, it will not take long. It'll come out of them because it's in them. <laughs> you know why that's so important for us to be in Him? <laughs> so what comes out of us is a byproduct of Him instead of a product of us. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. It actually is translated to devious. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. Put away from you a devious mouth. Put perverse lips far from you. It's interesting right here that he's, he's talking about two things that really are are, are knitted together. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Because as we studied when we first started this, your heart, the Bible says it's about our heart. Our hearts are deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked who can know it? That's what the Scripture said. The heart is deceitful above all things. So if my heart is deceitful, and He says, put away from you a deceitful mouth, and He says that out of your deceitful heart flow the issues of life, you better have something else in your heart. Because by default, deceitfulness will come out of it. I, I gotta go. We we got time. James, chapter three, sums this up for us really good. Chapter three. My brethren, 
Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. Can we just get that out of the way? Just get that out of the table. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. That's where the stumbling happens, right? That, that's the common ground right there. We stumble in word. The word comes out of our mouth. What comes out, our, out of our mouth is rooted in our hearts. The only way to fix it is to keep our heart under the guard of Almighty God. And he will guard our hearts and our minds. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. That means complete. Able to also, able also to bridle the whole body. Isn't that an amazing thing right there? If you can bridle your words, you can control your whole body. And he gives examples of it. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Has ever, anybody ever ridden a horse in here? Raise your hand if you've ever ridden a horse. I don't, I don't mean bareback. You had a bridle on that horse, and you were able to turn him. Do you remember turning the reins on that? I remember the first time I was scared to death to get on a horse because they're so big and so strong. Now, I've got a brother in Ohio that raises horses, and he lunges them, if you know what that means, and he'll take a horse in a field, and, and when it's raining, I've seen him take uh, the, the males, the stallions, that just unbelievable power. I've seen the stallion get mad in his barn and kick the, the planks of the barn out behind him. Just, just being a male stallion horse full of himself and just ornery and get mad and start kicking until he knocks planks out. And my brother would take that horse and he would put um, whatever that thing is over their head. It wasn't a bridle. What's that thing called? See, y'all don't know either, so y'all going to like the story. Take it, and they would run a long rope to that stallion and let him out and take him out in a muddy field and lunge him. In other words, run him in circles. Run him in circles. My mother-in-law saw that on TV the other day because you're interested now. She said, why do they do that? This is why. They run him in circles to wear them down. An animal weighs a 1,000 pounds, and he's in mud. And it gets harder and harder for him to move. And the way my brother would break them, instead of getting on their back and taking on all the risk until you... Until time after time, he would lunge them till they were just about nothing standing there, tongue hanging out. Then he would take a saddle over to them and put that saddle on their back and lunge him some more, make him go, get a whip, run him in a circle, run him in a circle, run him in a circle, trying to tame him. Finally getting to a point, I've seen him do it, where he would just fasten everything on the saddle, and just jump up and lay over that saddle. And that horse can't stand it. He gets mad and he starts trying to take off a little bit to just jump off of him, lunge him and lunge, and that horse is about to die. 
As a matter of fact, you think the horse would rather be dead than what's happening. But by the time it's all done, my brother is sitting on that horse, hardly ever bucks him, and he is the master of that horse. Got a bit in his mouth now, and he can turn him any way he wants to. And he had one that would try to bite him. Be like he started getting his strength back, and that thing would reach back, and I saw him do this. He'd just take that thing, and my, my, my brother, he's strong. He grabbed that horse by the bridle and yanked that leather, and that head just peeled down like, like, like that up against his, his just hold that head back in that position. And that horse is just can't do anything, but he's just like spinning like a top. And he's able to control him now by a bit that's in his mouth. And after that point, that horse is considered tamed by men. And you might say, that seems like a lot of work. You better believe it is until you start thinking about what it takes to control your own tongue. I think I could give the old stallion a run for his money. I think I need to be lunged one more time. I think I need my head jerked back. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says one that can do that can control their whole body. It, al it also compares it to a ship. He said, look up, verse 4, look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Oh, yeah, I think it says something else. And the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. It's so powerful. It's right there. And it's ours to control and it's ours to let run free. And I'm telling you, I believe I would rather somebody club me to death than use their tongue to fillet me. Anybody ever felt the pain of that? Yeah. Will you come, hon? Not a shouting service, but I had to fight to get it to you this morning you may have had to fight to hear it this morning but I promise you it's a word for us it, it, it brings in an ability that we can attain but it takes something on our parts it takes a surrender on our parts have you ever tried to hold your tongue felt like oh it, it just feel good if I could just say it just, just say it just just get it out you got to be careful with those because that one that's wanting to get out of you so bad that might be the one that gets set on fire by hell 
right? Verse 8 says, No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, Let th these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Look, it's, it, it's not talking about sinners right here. It's talking about us. Because it says, with the same tongue, we bless God. That's, that's, that's us. And we curse. And he said, this things ought not to be. It said, no man can tame it. You know what that tells me? I need help with my tongue and let's be honest what it's saying is that we need help with our tongues if we can get help right there no man can tame it so if I've got a tongue that's not able to be tamed and I've got a heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked Folks, things ain't looking good for me. Things aren't looking good for the human race. If we got a tongue that is wicked and can't be tamed, and we've got a heart that is desperately wicked, and the Bible says, who, who can know it? It's deceitful. We better be very careful with these things. We better be very careful with our heart. We better, better be very careful with our tongues. And it gives the key right there. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? So we lived in Mobile, Alabama. One of my favorite things on Sunday nights was to have my old Ford truck. I had an F-150. I got one now, but it ain't old. But this old Ford, I have it ready to go every Sunday night. And I'd go down to Dolphin Island to the piers. And I would, I'd get everybody tucked away in bed. My children were safe. My wife was safe. And I was going to the pier and I'd go fishing. Down there, it was just peaceful to me. Wasn't a lot of people down there. I could stay. I usually stayed till at least 4.30 in the morning. Sunday night. I, I learned a long time ago as a preacher. Saturdays, you can have Saturdays. Give me Monday off. Hardly anybody around. And I could just enjoy it quietly. But I also learned that there were some river spots. There's the Mobile River in particular. Ran, ultimately ran into the ocean. Fresh water meets salt water. Guess what that little area right there is called? It's a word for it. It's a type of water. You've got fresh water running into salt water. They don't, they're, they're supposed to be two separate things, but fresh water empties into the ocean. finds a place to go. That little area right there is called brackish. 
brackish. Fish, somebody got it right. You get the star. You get the gold star today. Brackish water. It's where fresh water runs into salt water. And that little area right there is where mixture takes place. Can I tell you what's wrong with the Christian world today? Mixture. That mixture. You can feel that one, can't you? You can feel it because it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's knocking on the door of maturity right there in the believer. What am I mixing? What, what am I letting in out of this fresh water that's trying to flow into me? What, what, what am I getting regurgitated back into me? What, what's not staying pure? What's messing up the flow? Mixture. Man didn't come up with that. God came up with that. Oh yes, fresh water and salt water do meet. But that area is called brackish. And that's the area that we're supposed to stay away from. Because that's an area where the freshwater fish only go so far. And they know, I've got to come back. I can't live in that. They can live a little bit in that, but not very long. And the saltwater fish, if they try to swim up into it, there, there were reports of, of people seeing dolphins way up in the fresh water, but they didn't stay there that long. They had to turn back and go get in that salt water because they were made for that. And you got to understand what you were made to traffic in. And it's our, man, this is deep. It's got a lot deeper. That's why, that's why the fight was on this morning. Because this is big stuff right here. You can't do better enough for this one. You can't get a case of the do-betters. Coming to God is not where you leave just uh, the same old person that you were in a little better package. Coming to God is change. And getting rid of the mixture in our life. And I'm telling you, it is all in the church. From the heads down. From worldwide ministries down. There are some things I just know a little bit too much of. And you won't have to go very far to figure it out. But here's what's coming. God says judgment is coming. And it will begin in the political realm. It won't begin where you think it needs to begin. It will begin where He said it will begin in the house of the Lord. 
And I believe, just like I believe, if my name were on buildings all over towns and cities and states and nations, at some point, I would go inspect those places to see if they were up to what I expected the standard for me to be. And I would find those that are using my name and I would call them out on it. And that's just me. But in His name, a lot has been done and it has not all been good. And He says, judgment is going to begin in the house of the Lord. And it's going to come right down for every one of us. Why would judgment come now when judgment is coming later? Because that's an ultimate judgment that is final. It is actually His mercy that would begin judging now while there's still time to fix it. I don't want God to show us everything that's wrong without giving me an opportunity to fix it. I can get so engrossed into my life. I can get used to the bad. Do you know that you can stink and you'll smell it? And if you don't do anything about it, the next day you'll still be stinking, but you won't smell it as much. And you give it enough time, you'll be increasing in stink. If you don't give it attention, your stink will increase, but your ability to smell it will decrease. It's the nature of things. I'm glad that God loves us enough that He would say, I will not stand for this anymore. And I believe that day is on us because of the mixture has gotten to a point where there's not a whole lot of difference in what happens here versus what happens out there. That's a tough vein to step into and not get out because I'm tired of it. And I'm sick of it. And, and, and I, my name is, is, is in it. It's what I do. It's my occupation. I'm a minister. I don't want to leave out of here all the time saying, hey, I'm a minister. Sometimes you hear about what ministers get into it. I'm like, hey, I'm just John. <laughs> you, do you understand what I'm saying? What about a God who's at the helm of it all and everybody that is supposed to be an example of Him is actually being the opposite and becoming a reproach about Him? You're going to clean that up. Why, why would I want to go to that? Why, why would anybody want to go to that? I'm telling you, it's time for us to get things where they need to be with him it's time for the river to run pure it's time to fix my lips and my mouth and that'll include my eyes and my ears 
It'll include my feet that we talked about. And it'll include my heart. And actually, that's where it will start. And if I can get that right, what will flow out of me will be what He intended to flow out of me. Amen. Just a, just, just a time from now on, just personal reflection. No need to talk about anybody else or think about anybody else and who's got brackish water and who's got salt water and who's got refreshing, clean water. What about me, God? Could you, will you be brave enough, courageous enough to say, what about me, God? Is there something you want to show me, God? Because when Pastor John said that thing about mixture, it kind of halted where I was going. It kind of propped me up right there and said, uh, what about you? What about mixture? Is there... I really think when it comes to mixture, we don't have to ask God too much. Of what are we mixing in? But He says that, and we know. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word does what your word does. Your word is able to go to our heart and our mind and our joints and our marrow and divide. Your word assesses our hearts. Your word shows me that there's always room for improvement. God, we're not just trying to be a better version. We want to run spreading out of our mouth you. And that takes a heart that has been purified by you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for what it does. Thank you that you love us so much that you're not willing us, willing for us to stay in a condition. But your word will take us to the condition and then show us the solution. That's you. Let your word do that, God. Let your word do that to me. I don't want to face an ultimate judgment with you. I don't want to be a phony. I don't want to be a fake. I don't want to be a hypocrite. You know the conditions of our heart and you're ready to fix us and help us. Will you just say to God right now what He already knows? My heart, my heart, my heart. That's why David said, search my heart, God. Search my heart, God. Know my thoughts. See if there's a wicked way in me. Lead me to the way everlasting. God, thank You because You already know what our faults are. And You forgive us of those things if we call on You. And if we don't, we're guilty of it, God. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive me. Help me with my tongue. 
No man can tame it, so I need help with my tongue. Help me with my heart. My heart is deceitful. My heart is desperately wicked. I can't even know it. Help me with my heart, Lord. Help my ears to hear your word. That's where the help's at. Help my eyes to be on you, to not look to the right or to the left. Help my feet to pay attention because they'll take me where I want to go. Help me to follow your heart so that I don't follow my heart. Fill my heart. Will you ask Him, God, fill my heart. Fill my heart with You. Give me the desire in my heart to serve You with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name. Jesus.